Hey there, what's going on? Thanks so much for joining us today on Build Your Tribe. This is Shaleen. You'll shortly be hearing from both Brock and Craig. But before we get started, I just want to mention, if you haven't listened to it already, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to last week's episode. It's not comfortable, but it's also not going to be that bad, I promise. I promise you can make it through it. If it's a topic that you just don't want to hear anything more about, that's probably a very good sign that you need to. This is something we all have to address, we have to be aware of. And listen, I mean, you're about personal growth and business growth, or you wouldn't be listening to podcasts. Like, podcast listeners are a whole nother level in my mind anyways. Y'all are about growing and learning. So why wouldn't you take a few minutes to listen to not just me, but three really powerful thought leaders, three black business owners who are speaking specifically to you about what it is they need to hear, what it is you need to know in order to move forward. So if you've been frozen in fear, if you just don't know what to post, what to do, what to say, all of those things. I also provide my own perspective. Obviously, I can't speak to being black. I'm not black, I'm white. I know that. And I also know that I've got a lot of friends who are white and they're really great people. And this has been hard. It's really hard to know what to do, what to say, what you can't say. Will my words be misinterpreted? What do I post? What do I talk about? Is it the right time to continue launching? Do I launch? Do I shut down? Do I pull back? Do I lean in? I just want to do the right thing. And then there are those people who don't care. They just don't want to talk about it. They just want to move forward. And I look at their content and I'm like, wow, are you even on this planet? Like, talk about being tone deaf. And I felt that same way when COVID was going on. And I listened to podcasts where people were just like, da, 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 like what, da, da, nothing's happening. Hello? Are you on the same planet? I don't get it. That's just me, though. Maybe that's a good way to be. Maybe it's a way to insulate yourself. I can't operate that way. So I hope that you'll go back and listen to that episode. We're not done talking about racism. We're not done talking about race relationships and what that means in our businesses. And I just want those of you who are listeners of Build Your Tribe to tell me, what topics do you want to explore on that topic? In that area, when we're talking about race, when we're talking about how it affects your business and hiring and who it is you have on your podcasts and who you're networking with and all of those things, how to move forward and maybe some things that are controversial that you're embarrassed to ask that question or to have that thought or, or those feelings. If you want to talk to me about this and you don't want your voice or your identity to be revealed, you can go to my website, go to shaleen.com forward slash ask Shaleen.com forward slash ask Shaleen. And there's a place for you to leave a voicemail recording. And you can also hit the phone number that's down below in my show notes. That's my Google phone number. You can leave me a voice recording there. You don't have to leave your name. And if you just want to get some things off your chest or ask a question or discuss a topic and you're like, gosh, I don't even know how to, how to put this into words because everyone's afraid they're going to say things wrong right now. And so because of that, we're being like super filtered and inauthentic and everyone's like nervous because they're like, I just don't want to get it wrong. Listen, the only way we're going to get it right is by getting it wrong and then fixing it. So don't be afraid. No judgment. All right. So today you're going to hear from Brock. This is an episode that we had recorded some time ago, but we just didn't feel like it was appropriate to post up last week. And again, I still hope you'll go back and listen to last week's episode and we're not done with that topic, but today we're going to get to talking about Patreon. Patreon's super cool. And how to make money on Patreon with Content Creator. 
and YouTuber Craig Benzine and his interview with Brock, Brock Johnson, that is. In today's episode of Build Your Tribe, I interview a wildly popular YouTuber with a channel that's about to cross over a million subscribers and a couple other channels with a few hundred thousand subscribers apiece. But we're not just talking about YouTube today, and in fact, we're actually spending most of our time, at least in the first half of this interview, talking about a platform that you may not have heard of called Patreon. Patreon is a platform that exists to allow creators, people like you and me, small business owners, to be able to be paid for the things they create. Whether you create YouTube videos, Instagram posts, blog posts, podcast episodes, anything that you can create online or offline can be paid for and patronized on Patreon. Patreon can kind of be thought of like a monthly membership site, but it's all housed on one platform. So rather than having to create your own membership site or sign up for some membership service or do a bunch of research into which one will best fit your needs, instead, you can use Patreon to very easily create what they refer to as different tiers of patronage, and then your audience can find you on Patreon, or you can be discovered by people who are already on the Patreon app, and then people can enroll in your different tiers. Most of these tiers start as low as 2 or $5 a month and can range up to $40, even $100 per month. And with each increasing tier, you know, you get some additional information. So maybe on the lowest tier, you just get access to the videos that a YouTube content creator makes before they actually put them on YouTube. And maybe on the most advanced tier, you get a daily vlog from that YouTuber, plus you get a one-on-one -on -one video that is just dedicated to you once per month. I don't know, that's just an example. But there are lots of tiers basically that are totally within your control. You have the flexibility as the creator to create different membership packages and different offerings for your audience. The beauty of Patreon is that it's already set up for you and they don't take a huge fee. Setting up your Patreon creator account is relatively simple and straightforward. They guide you through the steps to create your different tiers and your different offerings that you have for your audience. And then they only take about a 5% commission on the fees that you charge or that you gather from your audience. So it's a really great way, not just to grow your income, to create another stream of income for yourself, but also it's a great way for your audience to feel more a part of the process, to feel more engaged with you. Patreon is a great way to still provide some income for yourself, but not bombard your audience with having to learn a new website or a new membership course because Patreon already has a very large user base. Also, some things that I've seen people do is I've seen people take their YouTube videos or their podcast videos and post them to Patreon, create a Patreon page for them, but then just remove the advertising. So that's a benefit of maybe why someone might want to subscribe to your Patreon because then they don't have to worry about advertisements in your videos or in your content. And instead, they can just consume it ad-free for $4 a month on Patreon. And I know what you may be thinking. You might be concerned that, okay, Brock, but like, isn't this only for like super popular creators, people with huge YouTube channels? 
people with a large following somewhere else that will then want to pay them this monthly fee? While yes, it's not going to hurt to have a large following somewhere else, as we talk about in this interview, it's actually more than possible to build a Patreon audience even with a small following. And as I've said before, the average millionaire has seven streams of income. So even if this isn't a massively flowing river, this could serve as another stream of income for you, your business, or your family. Today's interview is with one of my favorite YouTube creators, Craig Benzine. He is also probably more widely known as Wheezy Waiter. He started a YouTube channel way back in the dawn of the YouTube age in 2007, and I think he is just a super down-to-earth, authentic, genuine guy. Super funny. I love his YouTube videos, and I think you'll hear in this interview today that he's very candid. He doesn't take himself too seriously, and he's got some really great tips around just getting started, around putting yourself out there, around practicing and really honing in on your skills and not worrying what other people think. Of course, as always, links to all of his channels and everything that we mention in this episode will be in the description down below. And you'll also notice in this interview that not quite every question that we had was answered. Some things like the demographics of Patreon and whether or not you have access to their emails, things like that, is things that we talk about that we didn't exactly have a clear answer to at the time of recording. So don't worry, stay tuned to the end of this episode, and if there's anything that you feel we didn't answer, we'll try our best to answer it there. Without further ado, here is our interview. Hey, Craig, welcome to the Build Your Tribe podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. Yeah, so excited to have you here today. You have built a very large following on YouTube. I'm a big fan of yours, and I know you're closing in on that 1 million subscriber mark on your main channel, so... Congrats on that. So, so close. <laughs> so close. Yeah, maybe even by the time this episode airs, we will have passed it. So that link to your channel will definitely be in the description. But today I really wanted to focus a little bit more on another platform called Patreon, which I know that you're also active on. And from your knowledge and experience using it, can you tell me a little bit more about what exactly Patreon is? Patreon, I usually say it's like Kickstarter, except on a monthly basis, basically. <laughs> yeah. So you, rather than saving up, we're trying to get people to help you save up for one thing. It's like, I make this stuff on an ongoing basis. And would you like to support me on an ongoing basis? And you can have perks just like with Kickstarter. So, Very cool. And what exactly are the benefits of Patreon compared to something like a membership site? Because I think my audience is pretty familiar with, you know, the whole like you pay $30 and you get access to like a Facebook group or something like that. What might mm -hmm. set Patreon apart from that in your experience? Well, for me, I'm lazy about stuff like that. <laughs> like, well, I don't have a lot of experience setting up my own personal sort of fundraising. So with Patreon, it's all built right in. That's one good thing about it. And it's a pretty streamlined, pretty good system. And at this point, it has its own built-in audience, which people who peruse Patreon for entertainment and sources of information, just like any other social media, it's become kind of its own social media. So you might be able to tap into that if you start a Patreon. Speaking of what kind of like cool, unique creators have you 
found on Patreon? Because I know that there's some podcasters I listen to who are on Patreon, some YouTube channels, any cool examples you've seen? Well, one that comes to mind, it would be like, I'm a fan of sci-fi and the sci-fi author N.K. Jemison has her own Patreon and, and she'll post monthly updates and maybe parts of things that she's writing going forward. I mean, there's literally any kind of creator out there. You're going to be able to find a Patreon for them. Very cool. I know you post regularly on YouTube and you have two YouTube channels, correct? Well, I have more than two, but how many I have two main ones. Yeah. Two very active ones now. I have, I guess you could say five historically. Five historically. (laughs) Weekly, how many times would you say you post per week videos across the five historic channels? Well, at one time I was posting like four or five different videos a day. That was a while ago. Now, yeah, but nowadays it's much less, but it is, if you include the videos I do for Patreon, it's probably six a week. Okay. Six videos a week. And just Patreon alone, how many videos per week would you say that is? It's five. I have a perk that maybe it's more ambitious than other perks, but like I have a perk that I offer a week daily blog. Just every weekday, I put up one video updating everyone about what I'm doing. And then I also have a couple monthly videos that I put up. So I guess you could say 32 a month, depending on the month. Got it. Do you think that's pretty consistent? I know you said it's an ambitious perk, but do you think that's pretty consistent for most Patreon creators? Or do you see that most people are doing weekly things, monthly things, or, or really daily kind of like you're doing? I don't know of anyone doing a daily video. (laughs) <laughs> like like I'm doing that, that might exist, but I don't know. I don't know of anyone doing that. But I do see you can see like maybe weekly like blog posts or even just monthly blog posts. I would say it's more like a weekly or a monthly thing usually. Although I've seen since I've started doing this, I think I have over 300 of them now, 300 videos. I have noticed my audience, the people have stuck around much more consistently since I've started regularly updating them every mm. single weekday. Is there ever any pushback? Well, I guess, first of all, we could start with this question. Do you ever post the exact same thing on one of your YouTube channels as you would on your Patreon? When I put up a main channel video, I will post it to Patreon just publicly. Anyone can see it Hmm. just to let people know in case they missed it on YouTube. But that only happens like once every week or two and no pushback on that at all. I think that's just sort of like, hey, I did this. Remember? Or I'll post that video early for patrons. That's a perk on Patreon. Yeah, that kind of leads me into what I was going with that, which is like, is there ever any pushback from people like, why are you charging for this this extra content? Or why are you charging for stuff that I could get for free on YouTube? I think very, very early on when I first joined Patreon, I was worried that that would happen. Very little, very, very little pushback. Anytime there is any kind of pushback, it's usually has little to do with me. It's more to do with the site in general or, I don't know, changes in the way the system works. Yeah, I can't really think of a specific time where my audience just turned on me (laughs) for (laughs) Patreon. I don't think, the way I see it, I think it's sort of like, it's just something extra. Patreon is just something extra for people who want something extra. So, or they just want to support the creator they like. It's not really about the perks as much as it is about supporting people. Just like when you do a Kickstarter or you support a Kickstarter. Most people are supporting Kickstarter, not for a specific perk. They just want to see that product, you know, or that they want to see them succeed. Yeah. And that's generally the vibe I get from Patreon. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like goes with the name, like patrons, like people are really just trying to 
support the people who they are already fans of. So then do you need to have a large fan base or a large following in order to be successful? Like in your case, do you need a, a YouTube channel with a million subscribers to have a successful Patreon? Well, I've never started something from scratch on Patreon, so I can't really say for sure, but I've seen examples. I think anyone can start one and I think every little bit helps. I think having a large following could help. I think maybe having a small following might help even more because if you have a large following, a lot of people might see that as, oh, you don't, you don't need the help. You know, mm. I see examples of people finding great success on Patreon that, that surprises me. Like I'll see a YouTube channel or a business that's, they don't stick out as someone who's thriving generally to me. Yeah. Then I'll go to their Patreon and they'll have tremendous support. I think it really depends on how well you manage it. That totally makes sense. How much does Patreon take for commission for these like monthly fees and stuff like that? Well, I think you can choose different tiers. When I started, I think it was just one tier and it was just 5%. Okay. And so it's for me, because I've been around from the beginning, it's still 5%, but there are different levels. I think the entry level, just the lightest one right now is 5%. Okay. When someone signs up to become a patron of you, they sign up for this monthly patronage. Do you get access to any of their demographics, their emails, anything like that? I haven't checked how much info I can get about their demographics, but I do get their email. Oh, very cool. So like you can build your email list through your Patreon. It's not just like a follower on Instagram. I'm not 100% sure what the sign-up process is like right now if they allow you to opt out of giving your email or not. I'm not sure. If you feel comfortable sharing, I know you have historically five channels and the two main ones right now. (laughs) Would you say you make more money on Patreon than you do just from ad revenue on YouTube compared to Patreon revenue? How would you say those compare? Well, I would say I have three main streams of revenue, which are Patreon, AdSense, just the automatic ads on YouTube, and then sponsors and videos. So sponsors and videos is where I make the most. AdSense and Patreon are actually kind of comparable, kind of equal. Okay. How have you primarily promoted your Patreon? And also, how have you had the most success promoting it? At the end of nearly every video, I will mention what I think is the most intriguing thing about my Patreon, which is that I make a video every weekday for people. So at the end of every video, I pretty much just say, you can support me on Patreon where I have, I would do a week daily vlog, a video every single weekday, other perks. Occasionally I'll mention other perks, but pretty much that. And since doing that, it's just been kind of steady. And sometimes it increases, sometimes it decreases a little bit, but it's pretty steady. You do this like weekday, every single day of the week video on the Patreon. And like you said, there were times we were posting four or five videos a day on your YouTube channels, which is, I'm sure to some of my listeners, sounds like a crazy amount of, of content <laughs> to be producing. That a lot of the content was just silly nonsense. Silly nonsense. <laughs> so, I mean, kind of going along with that point and the silly nonsense and just producing content, how did that get started? Or like, how did you find the inspiration or the motivation to keep posting that regularly? Are you aware of Zay Frank? I'm not. He made a video every weekday for a year back in 2006. Not even on YouTube. It was on Blip TV, which doesn't exist anymore. I was 27-ish, waiting tables. I went to school for 
well, communication arts, radio, television, film. I was proficient video editor, but I wasn't using my skills at all. I grew up messing around with video. I always wanted to get into it. I think it was a lot of pent up creativity that I just needed to let out. But I saw Zay Frank, what he was doing. I was like, oh, this is amazing. This is incredibly entertaining, first of all. Secondly, I can do this. Mm. So I just started making videos, putting them out first on Blip TV, like Zay Frank was. Just started making videos, whatever ideas. It was mainly comedy, just trying to make people laugh. Whatever came to my head, I was I just threw down the filter, threw down the walls in my brain and just did a lot of crazy stuff. And I was having so much fun that it didn't even matter that hardly anyone was watching. I wasn't even making money for like the first three years of doing it. I just continued because it was fun. And I think that was why the main reason, Mm -hmm. like it was just felt very freeing to throw down those filters, you know, and just see what I could do. It was kind of online video was novel at the time. It was kind of, it was a different time. (laughs) What advice would you have for someone who is starting now, whether they're starting an Instagram or a YouTube and they feel scared to start because like it's not perfect yet or it's not exactly precisely the way that they want it. What would you say to that person? Well, first I'd say watch my video about perfectionism that I recently made. We'll put the link to that video in the description. (laughs) Yeah. Well, basically what I tell people is try to get into the mindset I was in when I started, which is have fun with it. Back then, I had the benefit of not having a goalpost because I didn't know that this could be the career itself. Mm. Just make sure that you're enjoying it and be honest and be as authentic as you can. And lately, I've been making sure every video has a true purpose. I'm doing less silly nonsense lately. I think the internet wants less silly nonsense these days. And just make sure every video has a purpose, make sure you have fun and make sure to be honest. And that's, that's just what I tell people. That honesty and that authenticity, I think it's what drew me to your channel initially. The way you present yourself is, from what I assume, is very much yourself. And it it seems very genuine and very honest and the humor and all those bits that come into it. I mean, where did that come from? That trust in in like being yourself and being that authentic? Where'd that come from? I I don't know. (laughs) It's hard to say. I think I grew up in a small town in the Midwest. My parents have always been very salt of the earth people. Mm-hmm. I think initially I probably was being less authentic when I first started these videos. I was focusing more on humor. I was kind of hiding behind jokes. And I think just years and years of doing it, I have really no fear of revealing myself to the world anymore. So it comes with experience too. Yeah, it took practice is what I'm hearing. Like it took time. So what's next? Do you have a a sense now of a goalpost or a direction that you're headed with YouTube or with this business or anything? Well, right now I want to get to a million subscribers. First of all, I'm so close. It's only taken 13 years. (laughs) Well, I'm also like the next big project is I'm going to try to get ripped making a a series. Well, not a series, probably a big video about my journey to getting ripped if I get ripped. And after that, I'm talking with a friend about writing a screenplay. We want to make a movie. I've been wanting to make a movie my whole life. So I don't know if I can figure out a way to put that together. That might be the next big thing. Very cool. I think it was about, was it last year, 2019, when you started doing the the 30 day, like the monthly challenges every month? It was probably August of 2018, I think. Okay. Where'd the inspiration for that come from? Because if I'm understanding correctly, that was very successful for growth and just for like channel and video production, right? Yes, that turned my channel around. It was kind of, my channel was on the decline for probably five years or so. And then it completely 
turned around with the uh, video where we, my wife and I quit added sugar for a month. That was an idea I was kind of sitting on for a while, but always afraid to do because I, I always thought I had to just be putting things out all the time, every day. And that a video like that takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And eventually I felt like it, something has to change. I was actually worried about, I was getting to a point where I was looking at other jobs to do. I was worried about finances. I filled out a resume or redid my <laughs> resume. And I was literally redoing my resume when that video, the added sugar video went viral and it kind of turned the whole channel around. I don't know where the idea came from. I think it it probably came from just thinking about what's interesting and what people want to see. And I think what's most interesting is not so much me just talking about things, but actually trying to do something. Watching people try to accomplish something is more interesting than talking about it. And so these challenge videos that I do, I think inherently have entertainment value, regardless of what I say. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. When you were first getting started, you talked about how you were like just doing stuff and and doing stuff for fun and and silly nonsense. And I would imagine at that time, there wasn't a like totally well-built out idea of your ideal audience. And and you can correct me if I'm wrong, was the like clear picture of this is exactly who I'm making videos for. Was that person defined at that time? No. In fact, I still struggle with defining who I'm making things for. I think in general... I probably just pictured people like me. I probably just pictured like late 20s at the beginning, late 20 somethings. And I didn't really pay attention to demographics. I didn't think about the types of people who would be watching. It was just, I find this entertaining. Other people might too. And to some extent, that's still how I like it. It has to come from within. It has to be something that I think is valuable. And if I do, then some other people will. If I'm picturing my audience right now, that's a hard thing to do because after being around for so long, I have a couple things in mind. I have the people who have been around with me for so long, and then I have just everyone else, just <laughs> everyone. So, yeah, it's hard to pinpoint. <laughs> I think I know the answer to this question, but was there ever a fear of posting a video or uploading things or creating this content? You think you know the answer? Yeah, not really. Yeah, that's what I thought the answer would be. Yeah. <laughs> I think the very first like three videos I did, there was a little fear because it was posting videos itself was new, was weird at the time. Yeah. Or at least I thought it was, it could be perceived as weird. I was a little nervous about what my friends would think about me posting these videos. But since then, no fear at all. Yeah. Wow. So like before you press upload on, on any video, even if it's like taking a bath every night, there's no... There's no trepidation there. There's no like worry about anything. Usually not. I mean, if it's more personal video or some a heavier topic, maybe a little bit, but most of the time, no, no fear. Okay. When you wake up in the morning, I understand that video and creating these videos for your channel is very much your passion. But when you wake up in the morning, is there ever a day where you're just like, I don't want to do this today? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that happens after, uh, 13 years for sure. Like even back early on, there were days when I was doing it. When I first started going full time, there was a little bit of worry that like, this is my job now. What if I don't have an idea? What if I run out of energy to do this? That was a constant worry. And occasionally, yeah, I'm tired. I don't feel like doing anything today. And nowadays, especially like a lot of the excitement of a video itself isn't there anymore because I've been doing it for so long. Yeah. So now I have to find excitement more in the content itself rather than I'm doing a video, you know? (laughs) Yeah. 
So yeah, it definitely happens. So what, what do you sure. do on those days? Do you just like, yeah, you know, I'll, maybe I'll try again tomorrow. Or is there a way you push through that? <laughs> I usually push through. Okay. These days, my videos are coming out less frequently. So I have a little leeway. I have a little wheel room where I could take a break, maybe uh, give my wife a break watching our daughter. But usually I push through and try to treat it like, I mean, it's kind of always been this way. I've treated it like a job. Creativity isn't always waiting for inspiration to hit. Like it, it is a job, you know? So I try to treat it that way, on the, especially on those days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you made this your full-time job and left working in what we could call air quotes, a traditional career, yeah. what was that like? I, I'm sure it was scary to start posting on YouTube and make this your, your full-time job as a creator. Can you tell me more about like what that whole experience was like? So I was waiting tables and then I was making videos for a while and that led to an office job because I knew people at this office and they were looking for a videographer and they're like, hey, hey boss, this, look what this guy does. So he, they hired me and I worked there for a while, discovered I did not like office life at all. <laughs> In fact, thinking back on my old jobs, I think I missed waiting tables more than, I, than this office job. But even though it, it was a great job too, if anyone happens to be listening that worked there, like I enjoyed the job. I enjoyed my coworkers. I waited until YouTube like paid an, the same amount that I made while I was waiting tables. Hmm. I waited until like on a monthly basis, YouTube could sustain me the way waiting tables did, which was less. It was a pay cut from the office job, but I just waited until that point and then I quit my job. And I mean, I, first of all, loved the fact that I could wake up anytime I wanted. First, that was amazing. And mostly loved it. It was a little scary. Like you go from talking about your day at the office or talking about your day waiting tables, when all you do is make videos, it's like, well, what do I talk about? I'm talking about (laughs) making videos. How can I do that? So there's a bit of a challenge to try to invent things to talk about. But mostly I loved it. And that was in like 2010, like three years, you said? Yep, 2010. Okay. If you could go back to 2010, would you do anything differently? Yes. I do several things differently. Well, I would get into Instagram earlier. <laughs> like I, I just ignored <laughs> Instagram. But yeah. I've never been good at being an early adopter except for, I guess, YouTube and Twitter. Mm-hmm. I would try to do more like what I'm doing now. I wish I would have done that sooner. Mm-hmm. Less silly nonsense. Still try to do silly nonsense because... There are a lot of videos that I did that I'm very proud of that I, that I think are great, but also a lot of filler. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of videos I look back and I'm like, you know, I could have been spending my time doing something more meaningful than the mm-hmm. silly stuff and focused more on thumbnails and titles because those were always nonsense. Those were always an afterthought to me. If mm-hmm. I would have focused on those more, I think I probably would, would have hit a million sooner. So, <laughs> Have you always been comfortable on camera? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, cameras have never really scared me. I mean, maybe, yeah, I've I've been playing with them since I was like in grade school. So I can't remember a time when they made me uncomfortable. When others are uncomfortable, I have to remind myself like, oh, that's right. People are uncomfortable with this. I don't understand it, but I know that it happens. (laughs) I definitely feel you on that one. Your wife, was she always comfortable on camera or was that a, a process? Definitely a process. I think she's much better now. Actually, thinking about lately, like, wow, she really turned a corner. Like, I bet if I asked her now, she would be totally comfortable. She'd say she's totally comfortable. If I'd asked her two years Mm -hmm. ago, probably not. 
But it also kind of depends on what we're doing. Like if we're doing a, like a scripted thing, if I'm telling her what to say, which I don't really do anymore, she's probably more uncomfortable with that. But just having a conversation on camera, she seems like she doesn't care at all. Makes sense. What do you think turned that corner for her recently? Probably the type of stuff we're doing now where we're just having long conversations in front of a camera and she has seen and and on a very regular basis. So she has seen the process. She's seen how we can have this conversation and she trusts that I will edit it in a way that makes everything sound coherent. So yeah, I think maybe it's that trust. Very cool. Is there anything else you would like to cover or specifically talk about? I really like where this conversation went. I guess I just want to reiterate if someone wants to start doing this or really anything, make sure to be authentic, to have fun and have a purpose. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much, Craig. We'll definitely put links to everything we talked about in the description down below. I really appreciate you joining the podcast today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I told you. Craig is an awesome guy. Super authentic, super genuine, super down to earth and funny. He is himself on camera, off camera, during the podcast, not in the podcast. I love his note about being authentic, having fun, and doing it with a purpose. Some of the things that we talked about in this episode that I have done some additional research on that I wanted to let you know about is, first of all, yes, you do get insights onto the demographics of your audience, so you can actually, just like you would on Instagram or Facebook, learn a little bit of additional info about your Patreon audience, and you do get access to their emails. I've become a patron of multiple people now on Patreon, and in nowhere have I seen the option to opt out of giving them my email. I believe that by creating a Patreon account, signing up, and putting your email in, you are acknowledging and recognizing that anyone you become a Patreon member of, anyone who you sign up to follow or subscribe to their Patreon account, you are also giving them your email. So that means that now all of the people who I'm a patron of or anyone who becomes a patron of you, you'll have access to those emails. So you can add them. It's a great way to grow your email list and increase your email marketing capability. So you will have access to your audience's emails, which is awesome because then if Patreon ever goes away, you have access to those people still. You'll still have their emails. It's a little different than something like Instagram. If Instagram goes away, unless you already have the emails of your followers because they have opted in, you will lose access to all of those followers. So of course, we've talked a lot about emails and email lists before on Build Your Tribe, but it's very important to be growing your email list and Patreon is a great way to do that. The sign-up process, whether you are a creator or you are someone who's just looking to follow other people on Patreon, is very simple, easy, and straightforward to do. Put in your email, put in some additional information, pick a password, and then you can either search out people to follow or Patreon will recommend people who you can become a patron of based on the interests that you choose. So again, I highly recommend checking out Craig, his YouTube channels, his Patreon channel, which I am subscribed to. And I've said this before, but one of the best things about this podcast, about you right now listening to the sound of my voice, is that the Build Your Tribe listeners are so engaged and so grateful for the experts who come on our show. So I would love it. It would mean the world to me if you went to Craig's YouTube channel or you subscribed to Craig's Patreon channel and you just sent him a message or left him a comment 
telling him that you found him from Build Your Tribe. That would mean the world to me. Thank you so much for listening today. And as always, happy networking. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed creating it for you. I wanted to mention a tool that I think you're going to find incredibly useful, especially if you struggle sometimes to know what your purpose is. What is your thing? Like, what are you called to do? Why are you here? What makes you great? What makes you unique? You know what? I think you're too close to yourself to actually even see it. I think if we asked a lot of your friends and family members, they would know. But I want you to know it. I want you to declare it. I want you to see it. So I've developed this really simple questionnaire. You just download it. It's kind of like a quiz. But you're going to know all the answers to this quiz because it's a quiz about you. And when you complete it right there in your own handwriting, it's going to be perfectly clear to you what your thing is. So do me a favor. No, do you a favor and download this questionnaire. You can get it for free by going to shaleen.com forward slash my thing. And then answer the questions and I want to hear from you. Send me an Instagram message and let me know, like, what is your thing? I'm really excited to hear. And I know you will be too. It can be life-changing and clarity providing to know what your thing is. The same answers are going to come up over and over again when you fill out this questionnaire. It's going to be so obvious to you. And it's going to give you that boost in confidence that maybe you've been missing. All right, again, shaleen.com forward slash my thing. And I am really excited for you to do this. 